0: My mom's here. (laughs) Um, I am so excited to be here. I'm 100% excited and I'll drop it down to like 95% nervous. Now I was 99% nervous in the last service, but I've got one under my belt. So, um, but I I truly am excited to have the chance to share about a topic that is so important to me, so important to us and, Truly, one of my great passions. Now, I'll give you a little advice because um, if you find yourself sharing up here one day during a service, and don't say it won't happen because I'm up here sharing during a service, um, don't do that the same week that your husband has knee surgery because it's a little bit overwhelming to prepare and help and have four kids and all those things. So, you know, just get your timing a little bit better than I did. But uh, anyway, I'm so glad to be here. And we're going to talk about mental illness today and the hope that we have in spite of that, because of that. Um, so as we speak, as I speak today, we'll talk about um, specifically about what mental illness is. I'll get a little bit technical with you just so that you have, if you don't, you have an understanding of um, some of the things like anxiety and depression and a little bit of what causes that. Um, we're going to talk about the fact that help and healing are available, that the body of Christ is essential to that help and to that healing, um, and that God is a purposeful redeemer in everything that we experience, that he is at work and that he will be glorified and um, in, in ways far beyond what we can imagine. So that's where we're going today. Um, and so I'll, I'll share a little bit with you um, along the way about my own journey with mental health and um, particularly with anxiety. I um, have probably struggled with anxiety my whole life. My mom would know better than I because before I can remember. But what I remember, the first time I really remember anxiety being a big issue for me, not that I had a name for it at that time, but when I was um, going into first grade, I was five, turning six the end of October, I was young. and. Um, and I didn't know how to read, and this was 1981, and back then, you didn't have... 1981, 1982, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, That was not the expectation going into first grade. Things are different now. Now, there's kind of an expectation. They move really fast, but at that time, that was not the expectation. That was just the expectation that the enemy or something whispered into my brain, to say, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to first grade and you don't know how to read and I was terrified to go um, into first grade. And then that became a little more complicated because uh, a friend of mine had an older sister and when I found out who my teacher was, Miss Ackerman, she said, oh no, she's a witch and she has really long fingernails and if you get in trouble, when you get in trouble, she will scratch you with her fingernails. And, um, you know, older siblings are so helpful so often. And, um, and then I, that truth was completely affirmed because when I met her, she actually did have long fingernails. So that, you know, that was all the evidence I needed that I should be in terror for my life at this point. And so truly, I was beside myself, I was terrified. I was already nervous and worried about reading. And then I had this evil teacher. And um, so I would get to school and, um, and throw up. And I remember throwing up in my dad's car. I remember throwing up in the sink in the classroom. I don't know how many times it happened, but I was that afraid. I was that overwhelmed over things that weren't even real, problems that weren't even real problems. But in my little brain, um, they were terrifying. I was terrified. And so when I look back now in this journey, I know that, that there was something going on beyond just kind of normal nerves, and I saw more of that as I went on. So, as we talk about in this first part, mental illness is real. Um, I'm gonna, we're gonna look at some verses throughout in 2 Corinthians, but um, this one is gonna be, this section is gonna be a little more technical. So, bear with me. Um, I probably went a little long on it the last time, so I'll try to get it more concise. But I want you to understand, just in case you don't, a little bit about what mental illness is and what causes it and, and, um, and then, you know, talk about how that fits into our lives as Christians and followers of Jesus and what we do about it. So um, in 2 Corinthians 1, um, I'm going to start in verse 3, but I'm actually going to read 3 and 4 and then skip down to verse 8 and read 8 through 10, so not everything that's up there. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. This is Paul. We were were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. Now, what's going on in 2 Corinthians, you know, Paul's already written the letter, 1 Corinthians, and um, there had been some division among the Corinthians. And they actually had come to a place of some resolution, but Paul was writing to them after they had, had, had dealt with this division, and one of the things that they were divided over was the suffering of Paul. Paul had been arrested and shipwrecked and, and beaten and gone through so many things, and, th- and there were many people who said, how can he be a disciple of Christ and... And have experienced this kind of affliction, they they truly struggled with believing in Him because He had gone through so many things, and so that's why we see throughout Second Corinthians this theme of suffering and God's purpose in the suffering, because He's trying to explain to them that not only is this legitimate and real, but this is of God, and He has a purpose in it, and so that's the. the context behind what's going on in 2 Corinthians. In, when he says, um, who comforts us in all our affliction, it's the Greek word philipsis, and that means to carry a mental and emotional burden. Um, He wanted the Corinthians to know that he was suffering, but he was suffering for the cause of Christ and for the cause of the gospel. And when we look at Scripture as a whole, we see suffering throughout Scripture from, I mean, God created a perfect world and intended perfect fellowship. But once the fall happened, once Adam and Eve made that choice to eat, the tree of, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered the world, separation from God entered the world, and an enemy entered whose sole purpose was to separate us from God at every turn, um, with every opportunity. And so when we look at Scripture, suffering is a continual theme. There's fear, there's loss, there's death. Um, when you read the Psalms, um, 40%, 40% of the psalms are psalms of lamentation, psalms of dis- despair, psalms of distress. It's, it's, scripture, the Bible, which is inspired by God, is comfortable with the idea of suffering because it is part of our, li- our lives on this earth. It's part of our lives before eternity. And we'll get there, but... Um, but we can, we can understand and we can accept that suffering, including mental illness, is a part of the lives that we live. According to um, the World Health Organization, and you know, it's just a statistic, so don't let that you know, get you riled up, World Health Organization, but uh, anxiety and depressive disorders are among the top causes of disability and death worldwide. Anxiety and depressive disorders are among the top causes of death and disability worldwide. It's a tremendous problem that's impacting, if, it's not, if it hasn't impacted you, it's impacting someone in your immediate family, I, I guarantee you. And so we need to have an awareness and we need to know what our resources are. Um, the American Psychiatric Association defines mental illness as health conditions involving changes in emotion, thinking or behavior that impact a person's ability to live their life, whether that's maintaining personal relationships, managing their work or school responsibilities, or engaging in harmful behavior. So it's their health conditions. They are things that are going on not just in our minds, but in our bodies. Because we're body, soul, and spirit, God created us that way, um, that impact our ability to function normally in the world around us. to understand a little bit more, and there's a, a slide here that I'll try to explain. And I apologize already to the scientists or um, people who have a better understanding of science than I do. I will not communicate this in any kind of scholarly way. But I just want you to understand that in our brains, we have neurons that communicate to the rest of our body that tell us what to do tell us to breathe, tell our hearts to function, um, tell us to react to, respond to stimuli. The neurons control those things. And um, They communicate with each other across these tiny gaps called synapses that you can see in the picture. Um, The neurons send an electrical signal, and um, that electrical signal causes the release of something called neurotransmitters. And I I want you to hear this because, because you'll hear these words and things floating around on commercials or... And I just want to help you understand a little bit of what's happening physically when things like anxiety or depression or other mental, condition, mental illness conditions are going on, that um, in those situations, those neuro, there are fewer neuro- neurotransmitters that are communicating. So that might mean that our response to stimuli is a lot slower or we're feeling more tired or we don't have an appetite or our body is hurting, like we have physical pain. There's so many things that can go on. Those neurotransmitters are things like serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, and gamma-aminobutyric acid, or GABA. <laughs> That's hard, yeah. <laughs> um, and so anytime that they're, those are depleted, those can be depleted because of stress, because of genetics. Um, we can literally be born with certain things in our body that cause a depletion of those chemicals um, because of stressful events, um, any number of things, and that can create different types of mental illnesses. And those most common mental illnesses are things like anxiety, depression, um, bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders. Those are some of the ones that you would hear most commonly um, or that I might see come into my office. Um, and so again, just to give you a, another little more specific idea, anxiety symptoms of anxiety would include increased heart rate, sense of impendi- impending doom, panic, rapid breathing, trembling, trouble concentrating, GI problems, worry. And then in depression, you would have um, feelings of sadness, tearfulness, emptiness, angry outbursts or irritability, loss of pleasure or interest in your normal activities. Um, sleep disturbances, fatigue, um, reduced appetite or craving food, like more than normal. Um, And then, of course, there can be self-harm or thoughts of suicide, thoughts of ending your life. And so those are the kind of clinical things that a doctor or a therapist is going to look for if you come in and you say, these are some of the things that I'm struggling with. And I want you to know that whether there's a clinical diagnosis or whether you're just going through some stress, it's still important to know that these are things that greatly impact our lives. These are things that have profound impacts on our functioning and our relationship, our relationships and our self-esteem and definitely in our relationship with God. And so um, it's important to have a little bit of an understanding. And then, you know, as Christians or as followers of Jesus, we often ask the question, well, how does this fit into the life of a believer? How I trust Jesus, and He says to cast all my anxieties on Him, and He says, don't worry about anything, and um, don't be anxious about anything, and don't fear. He says these things over and over again, so how can I trust that and still struggle with Fear and anxiety and depression, not getting out of bed. Why, why do I still have these struggles? And the reason is because we live in a broken world. Um, in Genesis 3, 8 through 10, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So this is the moment when everything changed, God, who had intended to have perfect fellowship, perfect communion with His, the people that he created, um, said, where are you? And they were hiding because they had an awareness of their, their selves, they had an awareness of their sin, and they were afraid. And... Um, And from that point on, death entered the world, sin entered the world and our bodies became impacted. So there's disease and there's suffering and there's sorrow and there's mental illness. And so even though we can trust the things about God that are true and real and that we'll talk about in a few minutes that change everything, even though we have a hope we also have an enemy and the enemy is working actively to separate us from God's love to separate us from his truth and his promises and the relationship that he wants to have with us and so we are in a battle and even our bodies and our minds can experience the fatigue of that battle so in my life it was it was uh, uh, hard for me to accept and to understand because I, my dad was a pastor and I became a Christian when I was young and I started spending time with God when I was young. And I really truly loved Jesus and loved his word and believed those things. And yet there was still this fear and I've literally felt like I failed every test that I ever, I'm not kidding, I would take a test and I would think, I failed it, and then I usually made an A on it, but that my mind was in opposition to what I was experiencing in life. And, and in that, I felt a lot of shame because I'm doing all of these things, I feel like I'm doing the right things and I, I'm still afraid. And so it was something that I think I, I worked on performance, I just tried to perform better and work harder and compensate um, for a lot of shame that I felt that was coming from nowhere but the enemy. I always worried about disappointing people. I always worried about letting people down. And it's still a struggle for me, but I have a better understanding of it now. So as believers, we are going to struggle. The Bible's not afraid of lament, as I said before. There, are, there is suffering. We see suffering in the lives of people that God called and people that God used. And so we should expect that in our lives. So that is just a little background or a, a foundational understanding of mental illness and where it comes from and why even as believers, we um, can struggle with it. So the next thing that I want you to know is that help and healing are possible. God hasn't left us alone in this. Um, Second Corinthians four, seven through 11 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. There's spiritual help for us in, in suffering, in struggling with mental illness or having a loved one who struggles with mental illness. We can, can go to God's word. We can claim those promises. Even though I just said, you know, I, w- I felt like I was doing all the right things and I was still struggling, I can't tell you how different it would have been if it, I hadn't had those truths to hold on to. They were true even when I didn't feel like it was true. And I, I just had to hold on with as little bit of energy as I could at times to know that those things were true. God's word, he says, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And um, so it meets us in this place where we are. He knows where we are, and when we come to him, to his living word, he's meeting us with life-giving words. But even as I say that, I will tell you honestly that down the road when I went to counseling, and I'll tell you, I didn't say this in the last service, but I went to counseling after I decided to become a counselor. And just as a tip, if you ever go to counseling, choose someone who's been to counseling. That's a good, like It's really okay to ask that question because you want to know that they've worked on some of their um, their own struggles and their own issues. But when I, when I felt like God had called me into counseling, I had been on staff with the campus ministry and loved the part where I was walking with women through things that they were struggling with, but I could only go so far. And it was just very clear that I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn how to go farther. So I went and, and interviewed at Reformed Theological Seminary where I went to school. And they are a very clinical program, so they are looking to see where you are personally as you entered into this program. And I went into my interviews. I had two of them. I cried through both of my interviews in their entirety, (laughs) Um, like the whole time. And they were so gracious and kind and they did not make me feel stupid or embarrassed. But they did say, we are interested in you for our program, but you've got to get counseling first. And it was the best gift one of the best gifts that anyone's ever given me to say that. And and I was used to succeeding and I was used to I really only did like made safe choices that I knew were going to succeed. So I was a little taken aback that I didn't get into this program right away, but um but I processed through that and and I came down here and I started counseling and and the whole point of telling you that in this idea of scripture is that I was so nervous to talk to a counselor. I was so nervous because I had so much shame that was mostly lies from the enemy, but I didn't want to tell anybody about that. I didn't want her to see that. I didn't want to share that with anybody. I wanted to keep it like this, and I was also afraid that I was going to go to counseling, and she was just going to tell me a bunch of scriptures because I already knew those things, and I felt like it wasn't enough it is enough but it didn't feel like it was enough and so i thought what if the, what if all she does is tell me the things that i already know and i'm just and i'm stuck like this and clearly i hope you know since i'm up here that that is not what happened she heard me and she saw me and it makes me think about the woman who jesus met at the well and he said you have you're not married you've had five husbands before and the one that you're with is not your husband and you know he told her all about these things when she went to tell people to come see Jesus she said come see this man who told me everything I've ever done and I I think she was amazed that he knew everything that she'd ever done but I think she was overwhelmed that he knew everything that she'd ever done and he still offered life to her he still loved her he still wanted to talk to her and be in a relationship with her when she was a Samaritan woman and he wasn't even supposed to do that anyway. So counseling for me was this refuge where I was able to con- connect with someone who loved Jesus and was going to point me to Jesus in a way that was different from anything I had known before. And so I encourage you to consider counseling if you're struggling with anything. Again, it could be a clinical issue. It could be... A, um, someone in your family that's dealing with something, or it could be something that you've been through. There's so many traumas, and we live in a world, I feel like, where there are just increasing amounts of traumas and things that hurt us and things that break us and things that cause fear. And so Orlando is a great place to live if you need a counselor because there are a lot of them. There are a lot of good programs and a lot of people stay, um, but it is still a challenge. Getting into one right now can be hard, but it's expensive. And, um, And I just want to say that, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in the next point, but find a way, ask, look for scholarships, be persistent, um, because it is, especially if you find the right person, and it's okay to try several to find the one that feels comfortable for you, but it's, I just can't, I can't give words to the ways that it changes lives. I love what I do, and I love what I do because I feel like I get to go onto holy ground and just watch God Um, break chains and allow people to walk into the light, allow people to be seen, allow people to feel his love. So there's hope, there's help that way through counseling. And then there's physical help. Um, Medication is something that sometimes we need. And that's part of the reason that I went into the details about our brains and our chemicals and the neurotransmitters, because if we have genetics or Um, any other kind of condition, stress, particular stressors, adjustment change that suppresses the production of those chemicals, sometimes we need a medication to get those things going again. And That was also the case in my story. I was at lunch with my mom in my early 20s and I was crying, and I was in a time where I was, um, again, just feeling like I was doing everything wrong. My perception was so skewed and so off and she said, I think that you need to talk to the doctor about medication. And I was so afraid. I'll never forget swallowing that first pill because it felt like I was failing. It felt like I was being disobedient. That again, I wasn't letting God be enough. But my body needed that. And sometimes our bodies need that. Now, it's our doctors who decide that. So you know, that's something that if you, if you wonder about, you can talk to your counselor about it, but ultimately you talk to your doctor and they know and they can help you with that. And there is trial and error in that. And so again, I'll encourage you to push through, to persevere. And then there are disciplines that we can do. Um, we can get out there and walk, we can move our bodies, we can change how we eat, but taking care of our bodies even when it's hard and it can feel impossible when we're struggling, but doing those things makes a difference um, in our lives and in our physical health and in our mental health. Ann Voskamp says, life is pain and we get to choose the pain of discipline or the pain of disappointment. And I hate that, I hate that um, quote and I love it. Um, I hate it because I really don't like discipline. I mean, I really don't like, I don't like hard work, I like naps, I don't like discipline. I am like my, my best gift is napping and then counseling maybe, but, um, but life is pain and we get to choose the pain of discipline or the pain of disappointment. So when we are struggling, doing everything that we can to push, to move forward, to take care of our bodies, to go to counseling, um, do it, just taking the next step, doing the next thing, I encourage you to do that. But that's where then the body of Christ comes in. And that's my next point. The body of Christ is essential. The body of Christ is essential in dealing with this problem of mental illness, um, of pain, of suffering. Proverbs 12.25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And I imagine all of you can think of a time, whether it was a time where you were literally anxious or depressed or just in brokenness or whether you're just having a bad day and someone came to you and spoke just a word of kindness or encouragement. I mean, how much do we see that these days? And of course, we live in a rage culture, so we need something that's pushing against it. But how much do we see be kind, be kind, speak kind words, and it moves us and we love seeing all the positive videos on Instagram. We need that, but those words make such a difference. So act. know that especially if you are a follower of Jesus, you should be actively looking for opportunities to speak words of kindness and encouragement, to, to be tuned in to what's going on in the people around you and seeking to pray for them and minister to them. Another thing that I tell, um, well, actually, let me read this. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, that passage is just continuing the thoughts that we've already talked about, but what I want you to focus in on is we, the word we. We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. We look to the things, not that are seen, but the things that are unseen. We do this together. God did not create us and design us to do anything in isolation. But mental illness says step back. Mental illness says separate because you don't have the energy or you are too ashamed and no one would want to see and deal with what you're going through. Um, it, it says separate, but our, God's word says come together, reach out. And and you need to be looking, if you are in a place of help, or even if you're not, looking for those needs around you. We need life groups. We need to be connected, um, or small groups. We, we need to have those places where we can be heard and known. Um, we need fellowship. Uh, we need to come together to worship. The body of Christ makes all the difference sometimes. Um, And one of the things that I tell my, or that is kind of a motto with our family, Millie saying don't ask her, I put them on the spot the other day, but we say Rockefellers rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And we all do that very poorly much of the time. But what I want them to know, it's from 1 Corinthians 12, 26, a passage that talks all about the body of Christ that then leads into the love chapter in 1st Corinthians 13 um, that it says if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together and we are doing this together we are meant to do this together we are meant to fellowship together and it, again as you look throughout Scripture people did not do this alone Moses didn't go to Pharaoh alone he had Aaron to go with him and God has given us people, Jesus had his disciples, even Jesus, had people to walk with him through life and through the journey. Um, One thing that I tell my clients sometimes when they are so broken and so weary and feel like they can't even pray, there's nothing left to pray, is to let other people pray for you let other people do that fighting for you because sometimes that's what we need. And so we need to be looking for ways to do that for other people. Financially, counseling is so expensive and a lot of Christian counselors can't afford to take insurance. And so um, so looking for opportunities to support people to go to counseling is something that isn't spoken about a lot, but is a tremendous need. And so, you know, talk to me, I'll hook you up (laughs) with opportunities not just with me, but with other people. But um, we need to be willing to support and help each other through uh, to get the help that they need. The body of Christ makes all the difference. Um, And then another thing is celebrate recovery that we have at our church that is for people who are um, struggling with addictions, but also with codependency and and anxiety, depression or any kind of struggle. It's to come together, it's to encourage each other to talk, to have support and Monday nights, Right? meets on Monday nights at our Oasis campus. And it, it, getting into those, that, again, I can't say enough about what a difference that kind of community makes in healing. And so the last thing, the most important thing, because I've given you a lot of uh, facts or, I mean, encouragement but, and, and things that you can do, but the most important thing is to remember and to know that God is a purposeful redeemer. God is a purposeful redeemer. Psalm 94, 18 through 19 says, when I thought my foot slips, your your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. I'll never forget reading this verse for the first time in, in the midst of struggling with anxiety and thinking that is exactly what I'm feeling. Like my foot is gonna slip, I'm gonna fall. But God holds us up. And then in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, Paul writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. From the time that—I'm sure before—but from the time that the fall happened, God had a plan for our redemption. God had a plan for our healing. He knew that he was going to send Jesus. He knew that Jesus was going to die to take the penalty for our sin and that he was going to rise again. He knew that he would come back to us one day. He has always been purposeful in everything that he does. And when you study scripture, you can see it. You, If you study even the Old Testament, and look for God's promises of sending a redeemer, of of bringing healing, of bringing life. It's everywhere. You just have to look through that lens, but it's there, and I think he intends us to look through that lens. He is work. Nothing is wasted on him. God is sovereign, and I think it can be sort of easy to get to the place where we believe maybe that he's in control of everything or it certainly can be comforting and he's good and that is so comforting to believe that he's good especially in the midst of inexplicable pain or suffering but he is also purposeful he is a purposeful redeemer and nothing is wasted everything that he does is is to be used for our growth to become more like him for the for his kingdom to be glorified, for Him to be glorified, um, and to, to help us to endure till we get to the life that He's promised us. Um, and that's the thing. We are, we are moving even in the midst of the suffering, even in the days that, are, that we're struggling and suffering and hurting and tired and weary. We endure, but we know that real life is coming. This is just a shadow. This is just a shadow. Real life, on the day that we close our eyes and take our last breath, we'll open our eyes. And I was talking to my dad the other day about a lady who blogs or writes on Facebook and she says, talks about when her husband left this life for the best life. That's the life that he intended. That's what he created us for in the beginning. And there will be a day that all of this suffering is gone, the suffering that you've experienced, the suffering that other people experienced, and we will be completely fulfilled. We will see Jesus face to face and there will be no more tears and no more pain. And that's why I can sit with people and do what I do with so much hope and with so much excitement and with so much joy, because I believe it with all of my heart. I've seen it. I've seen the things, I haven't seen eternity, but I've seen the things that he's redeemed. I've seen the good that he has brought out of things. I've seen what he's done as he's healed marriages and individuals. I've seen him do it over and over again, and I know that he's doing that on this earth, but still there's a day that everything will be complete, and that's what we hope in. There's counseling is great, medication is great, and fellowship is great, and God's Word is great. We need all of those things, but where our real hope lies is in the fact that Jesus has has accomplished all of it. It's finished, and that there is complete, real hope and life on the other side of this world. In um, Matthew 11:29 and 30, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He tells us to come to him. He tells us to lay our, our burdens down at his feet. And it, sometimes it's hard for me to... Get a sense of what he means by his yoke. How? Do, what is his yoke? What's easy about it? But I believe that it, his yoke is this idea that he is in control, that he is purposefully redeeming. Nothing is wasting, wasted, and that we that can carry us with each step onto the life that he intended for us. When Job had inexplicable suffering, I, I've always struggled with Job and understanding the book of Job, where he was a faithful follower of Jesus, and Satan said, what about Job? And God gave him permission to sift Job like wheat. He took everything away, his children, his possessions, and, he, and his body had terrible pain and suffering and illness, and he was broken. He, he held on, and he said, the Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But then he came to that place where he said, God, just tell me what you're doing. Just tell me. Just tell me why. I can, I can hold on as long as you'll tell me why. And when God finally spoke, he just said, this is who I am. That's all you need to know. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is who I am. This is what I'm in control of. And and that's all you need to know. And Job repented. In the midst of all of that, he repented and said, this is who you are, God. I worship you. Knowing Jesus, knowing God, knowing what he's done, trusting in what's ahead is the thing that allows us to endure. It's the thing that gives us hope. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I want to share. Because... That's where, um, that's where we stand in the midst of all of the uncertainty and all of the shaking. Jesus is enough. God is in control. God has a purpose even when we can't see it. And we can encourage each other with that day after day as we endure. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this time. And I thank you that even though I can not understand and I know that I have such a limited understanding and grasp of who you are, I thank you that you are more than enough. I thank you that nothing is wasted, that for every life in here and every bit of suffering and every bit of struggle and every question, you have an answer, a redemptive purpose. You have things that you're doing that they probably wouldn't believe if you told them. God, I thank you that you work all things according to good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I thank you that you do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine and we trust you with those things in each life today and pray that each person would have an encounter with you that brings hope and healing and rest in jesus name i pray amen thanks again for listening to the horizon west church podcast if you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today share it with a friend For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.